Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Well, hello and welcome back. Once again, this is Steve Wilson. And uh, I, if, if you're listening to me for the second time, then I thank you. I must have said something that uh, intrigued you and piqued your interest and caused you to tune in once again. So thank you, but we'll go ahead and try to pick up where we left off. If you remember, we were, uh, we're in the book of 1 Corinthians. The overall theme is the contrast of Christianity. We're trying to emphasize, or I think Paul is trying to emphasize, how Christians are different than the rest of the world. And so we handle situations differently. And as Paul addresses each of the uh, situations there in, uh, in Corinth, uh, as he's writing back to uh, the Christians there, He's, he's trying to show them how a Christian would respond, how a Christian would act. So uh, we've, tried, we've tried to lay the groundwork, and we began, our first point was that Christians are called. We only got partially through that, um, that um, we are called by God, not by our, you know, by our own ambition, but we were called to a position, and how important it was for the right person to be in the right place. In service to God, of course, He's in charge of all that. We just have to trust Him that uh, that's what He's done, and we just we do what He says. So anyway, we got through that point. The next point I wanted to make is uh, not only are we called to a position, but we are called to a place. Um, we're called to a place of service. Now, every position needs a place to reside. Um, now. I believe, and you know, I don't have time to go into all of this, but that place that in that position where God calls you is called a local church. God instituted the church. You know, there's only really three institutions that God uh, um, ordained. That was the family, the nation of Israel, and the local church. Um, and so in this, this day and age, you know, that's where the gospel is preached from. We're the ones assigned the responsibility to reach the world. Um, unfortunately, there are too many people that are looking for reasons not to be a part of the local church. Now, I, I don't know why they get that. What? Well, I, you know, it's because Satan has convinced them that it's, it's not important, that you can, you can be Christian and not go to church. Well, I mean, that's true. But you're never going to reach your full full potential in serving God, not like you would if you were a part of a local church. So a lot of people are looking for reasons not to be a part of it. But Jesus built it. He said he gave himself for it. So if we're going to ignore the local church, then it's a snub um, to God. Um, so, you know, we're called to a place of service. That place of service is a local church. We're also called to a place of sharing. Now, 
whatever gifts you have are community property. Now, I know God gives gifts individually to different people, uh, different gifts to different people. They're your gift. But he gives them to you to use and to share with others so that you can share the gospel of Christ. So he's the one who, with the responsibility you're, you're assigned along with that gift, makes that gift community property. You have a responsibility to share it with others. So if God gives, gives you the gift of gab and you're a pastor or a teacher or something or a missionary or whatever, um, and you don't go out and, and do that, then you, you, you're snubbing God. You're, you're violating what he has called you to do. Um, we're supposed to share that, that, that gift. That's why God gave you that gift. Maybe it's a gift of music. I, I don't know, whatever it is. If you're not doing it to share the gospel, then you, you're abusing it. Um, but it, it, we're also called to a place of separation. Um, we're sanctified. In fact, in verse 2, I, I should have read that already, but it says, um, he, Paul had already mentioned, you know, about him being called to be an apostle and, and so on. He says, unto the church of God, which is at Corinth. And, you know, that's where the, I get the, the, the concept there and other places, of course, that he's addressing the church of Corinth, and that's, that's, you know, he was called to do a work there in Corinth. To them that are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, with all that in every place call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. So we're called to a place of separation. Now that's what sanctification means. It means to be simply set apart. And so God has set us apart from the rest of the world, which goes back to our overall theme, the contrast of Christianity. If we're set apart, then we're different. We're not part of the crowd. We're not like everybody else. And, and the more we try to fit in with society, the less unique we are as a Christian. Um, if, if, I remember there used to be a church on the outskirts of the city here in Cincinnati. It was around 275 Beltway on the east side, and it had a sign up there. And it said, the church for people that don't want to go to church. And their whole concept was that you could go there and it wasn't going to be like church. It was going to be like the world. They didn't say it was going to be like the world, but it was. That was the whole idea, that you could go there and not feel out of place. Well, you know what? The idea, if people go into church, they ought to feel out of place. That's why that's how conviction sets in. It tells you that you're lost and you need Christ, that you know, you're a condemned sinner. Uh, to go to a church and leave and not feel any different, and that, that church has failed and it's responsibility. So the more we fit in with society, um, the less unique we are as Christians. Uh, we, we should now be experiencing a progressive sanctification that is making us more Christ-like. That's what sanctification does. It's not an instantaneous process. During the course of this life, um, you know, we are saved. We're justified, then we're sanctified during the course of this life, and then we're someday we'll be glorified. But during the course of this life, we're becoming more and more set apart and becoming more and more like Christ. I mean, the more you are like Christ, the less you're going to be like a human being. And that should be our goal. One day we'll know eternal sanctification when life is done and all sin has passed away. But until then, we need to be showing how different we are. We should be a contrast
as Christians. We're also called to a place of peace where uh, <clears throat> we no longer fear conflict because we know we have victory over it. That's what peace really is. I've said that time and time again. Peace is not the absence of conflict. It's knowing that you can handle whatever you have to face. You have victory in whatever you're going to face. God has promised us that. Don't ever let yourself settle into a comfort zone. Always seek a challenge. In fact, in verse 3, it says, Grace be unto you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's trying to tell us there in verse 3. Always seek a challenge. Always look for something that's going to stretch your, your capabilities. It'll keep you spiritually alive. It's just like in a job. You should, you know, you're usually trying to move up and advance, which means you have to learn new things. You have to experience new things. I mean, during the course of my career, you know, I went from the days of everything was done manually to everything's done on a computer. In fact, I can remember in school, if you brought a calculator or, or anything like that to class, uh, you get detention. Nowadays, it's required. <clears throat> you know, I had to get in on the ground floor of learning a computer. And, you know, it kind of took me kicking and screaming, but I had to learn it because it was just that's the way the world was going. I had to learn it because I had to stretch my boundaries. I had to learn things I'd, I'd never learned before or didn't know that I could learn. So, you know, that's not only is it that way in the world, but it's that way in Christ. So if you're really going to have peace, then that's what you have to do. You have to stretch those boundaries and, and, and put your faith in Christ and let him teach you because you're called to a place of peace. Not only, though, are we called, Christians are also grateful, or should be. In verses 4 and 5 it says, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ that in everything you are enriched by him in all utterance and in all knowledge. We should be grateful to God. He, he talks about being enriched because, folks, we have everything we ever need. Uh, you know, we think we need more money or bigger house or a nicer car or, or more to eat or whatever, Great, you know, cooler clothes and all that. But, look, God has promised to meet our needs. He'll give us what we need in order to do what he wants us to do. He's not going to leave us hanging. We can trust him for that. So as long as you're in the center of God's will, he's going to take care of you. I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel, and I'm not saying you won't suffer and have to eke out a living, but you're going to have what you need in order to do what God has called you to do, and we should be grateful for that. The world can't make that statement. They are totally dependent upon themselves in order to, to get whatever they get in the course of this life. And, and those who are truly grateful, you're going to find a way to express it. We're going to let people know that God is good. I've got a hat I like to wear, and it basically says on the hat, God is good. Now, sometimes some people like it, some people don't like it. But you know what? God is good. Now, there's a lot of things I don't have. Um and I, I can't just go out and buy anything I want. I have to plan to make purchases. I I have to budget, you know, my my income. And, um, you know, sometimes I have to do without things. But you know what? God's good. God's good. And I want people to know that God is good because I have a God who meets my needs. We're grateful to God and we're grateful for Jesus Christ. And um, verse 4b says, For the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. In verses 6 and 7, Even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that you come behind in no gift. 
waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I'm I'm so grateful for the cross because without it, I'd be on my way to hell. I'm grateful for the association that I have um, with other Christians and with Christ. I'm I'm grateful for the fruit, the, the what little fruit I'm able to produce. It, it's all because of Christ. I'm grateful to God. I'm grateful for Jesus Christ. I'm grateful in the anticipation seven B and. Um, and eight, it says, For the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall also confirm you unto the end, that you may be blameless in the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, Jesus is coming back soon. We should anticipate that every morning. And the group I sing in has a song called uh, Woke Up This Morning. And it's, you know, it has to do with waking up looking for Jesus' return. Look, every day is like Christmas morning. I mean, we wake up thinking, we should wake up thinking, what blessings are in store? Is this the day that the trumpet's going to sound? Is this the day Jesus is going to come back? I and mean, we have that anticipation. It, it, every day is confirmation day. We, we're renewed by the Holy Spirit. We can feel his presence. We see him work in our lives. Um, we're, we're kept by his love. We're sealed until the day of redemption. I mean, what else can a Christian ask for than to know that, that the Holy Spirit is working in our lives and he confirms that? Uh, well, this every day is a cleaning day. Our sins are perpetually forgiven. And, you know, my wife, as many women are, um, you know, they're clean freaks. They, she enjoys cleaning the house. She, I don't know if she enjoys the labor part of it, but she enjoys when it's done that it's clean. Now, she sees dirt I don't see. And so she cleans it. Uh, she has that gift. Um you know, we as Christians, we should be able to see our sins and we should be able to see them cleansed every day and how the Holy Spirit does that. And in verse 9, we should be grateful as we fellowship. Verse 9 says, God is faithful by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son Jesus Christ, our Lord. Grateful as we fellowship. If you're outside the church, you're a guest. If you're not part of a church... You're a guest. Now, whatever your concept is of the church, and I know there's a lot of different views about this, but there are places in Scripture where Jesus talks about the bride and he talks about the guests. So you can argue about another day about who that is, but the fact is there's the bride and there's the guests. But only the bride, and bride is clearly described as his church. So what it takes to be a part of that, another subject for another day. But the point is only the bride stands in contrast. You see, the bride is the one who is different. She's the one in the gown. She's the one everybody's looking at. She's the one that has everybody's attention because she stands out. She's singular on that day. She's the focal point. The strength of our fellowship, folks, is also in forgiveness. Um, if, Christ, um, if Christ loved us and gave himself for us or gave himself for the church, if Christ loved the church and give himself for the church, then what are we to do? We're supposed to forgive one another. Forget and move on. Look, it's it's all about the contrast, people. As I said in my first podcast, we're the color in a black and white world. We're the ones that provide the contrast. You know, we people wouldn't know anything if there wasn't something to contrast it with. Uh, you got tall people, you got short people. How would you describe somebody as tall if you didn't have somebody short to contrast it with? We're the standard in a world without direction. 
Folks, we need to be the contrast in this world. My time's up. I hope you enjoyed what we've done here, and maybe we'll see you next time. God bless.